Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back, everyone, as we continue the countdown to the Loudest Health Festival from August 3rd to 6th in Drumheller, Alberta. The convalescence was set to play the fest in 2020, though unfortunately the fest was cancelled due to COVID. The Deathcore group hails from Toledo, Ohio, and has an impressive touring history sharing the stage with heavy hitters such as Suffocation, Exhumed, Suicide Silence, Chelsea Grin, Slayer, King Diamond, and Judas Priest, to name a few. Today I have the pleasure of speaking with their vocalist and founding member, Keith Wampler. Keith, again, thank you for joining me today. Thanks for having me. No worries at all, man. One thing I didn't ask before we started is, were you one of the founding members? I am the founding member, yeah. Okay, perfect. That's what I thought. I shouldn't assume, though. <laughs> yeah. So since this is your first visit to Loud as Hell, uh, what are you most looking forward to, and are there any bands that you're really looking forward to see live? Um, well, I don't I don't have a total like list of who's on our day. Um, I know that we're going to be coming off of a tour uh, leading into Canada there. Um, and we're probably not going to be there until like the morning of the day we play. Um, maybe the night before. Um, and then we have a show, you know, we're on the last day, um, on, on the sixth. So, um, I know that jungle rots on our day. They're homies of ours and we've done a lot of shows with those, those guys in the past. Uh, we played a mayhem festival in Pennsylvania with Slayer and King diamond with jungle rot. Uh, back in 2015, um, they just played my festival, Toledo Death Fest, as well as a handful of other Midwest dates with us in uh, 2021 during our 10-year anniversary tour, and it's it's a blast hanging out with those dudes, so I'm excited to see them again. Um, but there's a lot of good bands on this fest, man, for sure. I agree, and uh, like we were just chatting before the recording here, like, a lot of them I didn't know, and I was similar with last year, and it just I keep getting more and more surprised because there's so much good music. Yeah, it's awesome going to these underground metal festivals, man. There's a, a lot of uh, bands that maybe you would have never even come across that you become a big fan of because they really are awesome. It's just a really, a really tricky game getting your name out there enough. 100%. And for you guys, it's been really no trouble getting your name out of there because you're constantly playing fests or on the road. Um, do you have a preference as to which one you do? Uh, what do you mean as far as like headline tours or like playing fests? Are they comparable? Are there th certain things you enjoy about each? Uh, yeah. I mean, club shows are cool because it's not so hectic, I guess. And you're usually like in a green room or in a bus or like by the merch or whatever. And it's all, everything's pretty close. And uh, so you're not like running a marathon all day trying to take care of everything. Um, whereas like a festival, man you're just on the go all day and everything has to move so fast and there's so many bands and multiple stages and stuff. But when it comes to actually playing the show, you know, club shows that are packed are always really fun where the crowd's got a lot of energy and stuff. And, you know, I've had great shows like that. And, you know, my preference though, I really love like the outdoor festivals where it's just like a ton of people, a big stage, you know, you get to play with a lot of bands from, sometimes like other genres that we're a fan of, but normal under normal circumstances, it would make no sense for us to ever play with them other than at this like specific festival. So um, we've gotten to share the stage with a lot of bands that we wouldn't normally have, I, in, in my opinion, at least uh, thanks to playing some of these fests. So that's always like 
kind of the coolest part for me. Yeah, and with that, like, there's a, a gigantic list. I have a few just here, because I, I couldn't... I had to pick a few from different genres, but it's really difficult, because you're essentially all over the place, but, like, from, from the bands that I listed in the intro to bands like Alter Bridge, Disturbed, Aborted, Sabaton, among so many others. Um, yeah. Actually, I have a few different questions here. So first, um, with that kind of thing, is it nice to kind of break up the, I guess, the tone by playing with other genres when you're on tour or when you do play at fest like that? Yeah, yeah, it's always cool, man, because, I mean, like, everybody in our band uh, kind of grew up listening to different genres. I mean, a lot of it was metal, but, you know, we aren't always listening to metal in the bus. People aren't always listening to metal when they got their headphones on, you know, and if you're on a long tour, you're out for a month, two months, whatever, and you're just hearing like eight bands worth of blast beats every single day. Um, you know, not that it's not as cool, but you just kind of get like used to it. Like, you know, but they're all, but I won't say that's every tour. I mean, some, some bands we've toured with and like, every single night I'm like, I have to go watch these guys and they just crush it every night. You know what I mean? So I guess it just depends on the tour. Um, but I do really enjoy going out and playing with some bands that are kind of like outside of what we do. It's a valuable experience. I mean, for a lot of different reasons, you can take different influences from them, uh, regardless of the genre, but you can also take like influence from their stage presence as well like for, there's different things that work with different crowds and maybe that's one of the reasons you guys are so accessible yeah i mean i also really enjoy like when it's a crowd and you can tell everybody's there for like you know we played that show in detroit and it was uh an amphitheater show with disturbed breaking benjamin and alter bridge we're way heavier than anything on that show um i grew up listening to disturbed you know what I mean? Like, even even some Breaking Benjamin stuff that was on the radio and whatever. Um, really great bands. Insanely good bands. But normally we wouldn't play in front of that crowd. And it's cool for us because usually, you know, we'll be deciding what we're going to play at a fest like this. Like, what songs? Because we have songs with clean vocals. We have some songs that are, like, slower as far as, like, metal in general like songs are. Um, and then we also have like some super brutal stuff and we always lean towards playing the super brutal stuff in front of the not brutal crowds because it's just kind of like, you know, obviously some people are going to be like, what is going on? I hate this, you know, and they, they just want nothing to do with it. But the other people are like, I did not know this existed. And I'm really happy I do now, you know, like, and they, you see, you like see them get into it, like throughout the set. And, uh, you know, we do a lot of theatrical stuff. Like we have, uh, mic stands that look like corpses. Uh, we have a lot of our own lighting on the stage. We spray fake blood into the crowd. We throw, you know, body parts and stuff out into the crowd off a medical cart. And, uh, a lot of the time those rock festival crowds have never seen anything like that or have at least not seen it live um and just seeing them get so stoked to you know catch a severed body part 
and be covered in blood at the end of our set, um, they come up to the merch table and they want to meet everybody and, you know, everything. And that's, that's cool. You like make diehard fans like that. And I'm thankful that we're able to somehow off luck or, you know, whatever, get on some of these, you know, more mainstream festivals and shows. Uh, I'm really thankful that we have the opportunity to do that as a heavier band. And what you guys do is a great way to engage the crowd too. It's, it, it encourages participation and obviously people want to get a little bit closer if they want the full experience. It's kind of like, for example, mm-hmm. Guar or Blue Man Group. Those are both great shows to go to. Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I don't know. I feel like it's, it's about putting on a show. It's got to be a live experience. Um, you know, like it's, we're at the point now, I feel like if you're just up there just jamming, you know, and playing your songs, that's awesome. That's cool. But I feel like a large amount of people are also willing to sit at home and watch it on YouTube. Um, whereas if you're putting on a show and this is like an experience and like, you know, you got to be there and you got, after you've seen it once, you're going to go back and you're going to drag as many of your friends as you can back to it. Like, guys, you got to see this, you know. Um, I I just like that approach better from the performing standpoint. Like, I, I don't necessarily look at us as like musicians. It's more like being entertainers. Okay. That's definitely a good way of looking at it, too. And especially because you're combining the music with the theatrics and, mm-hmm. and the imagery, right? Yeah. The second question that I had about tours and fests is you mentioned earlier that you were finishing up a tour leading into Canada and then you're going to be playing the fest. Are you guys hitting the road right after that again? Um, right now we have a, a tour that actually starts next month uh, in June and we're going to be out for three weeks headlining the One of the Dead tour with uh, Summoner Circle and War. Uh, War is also going to be playing loud as hell. Yeah, um, they are. And it kicks off at Toledo Death Fest, which is a festival that uh, I put together every year. Um, and I try to, you know, get a couple big, bigger bands that people know. Um, we we always play. And then uh, I try to bring as many of the up-and-coming local bands and up-and-coming, like, underground bands as I can to kind of fill out the middle of the day and the beginning of the night before the main headlining bands. And... Um, it's always awesome. All the bands usually sell a lot of merch and we we've been getting a good turnout for uh, several years now. So we're looking forward to doing that again. Um, When that tour wraps up at the beginning of July, uh, we're heading to Japan for the first time with exhumed. Um, So definitely excited to go there. Never thought death metal would take me to literally the other side of the world, but here we are. Um, so I'm excited to go check that out, um, and see those crowds over there. I've, I've been told some of the dates are getting close to sold out over there. Um, yeah, always cool to hear when you're going somewhere new and, you know, the show being sold out is in the, uh, in the cards here. Um, and then when we come back, we do have a tour that we haven't announced that does lead out to and back from, uh, loud as hell festival. Um, we're stoked to announce the tour. Hopefully it'll be very soon. I know it's kind of getting down to the wire here um, as far as getting summer stuff announced. But And then we have a couple smaller festivals later in the year that we're a part of as well um, in, the, in the U.S. So 
we're we're staying busy. Yeah, I was just gonna say first you first you run a fest and then you go on a long tour of well tour and then fests back and forth constantly. Yeah. How do you stay? How do you stay energized over all this time? Um, bunch of energy drinks, sleep when you can. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Uh, no, I mean I've I've been touring pretty much nonstop since two thousand nine. Um, and it's, you know, it's what I want to do when I'm home, I'm booking tours when I'm on the road, I'm still booking tours, but, um, you know, I kind I kind of enjoy just waking up and seeing something new every day and getting to play in front of new people. And, you know, at this point, after touring for so many years, I have friends all over the place. So pretty much wherever city we go to, I get to see some people I don't normally get to see. And that's awesome as well. So. Yeah, it's got to be great to catch up, and especially, like you said, wherever you go, whatever city, whatever country. Yeah. And now you're just opening yourself to a whole new audience going over to Japan. Yeah. And we, we just got back from Europe in December. Um, we went to Europe, and we did the UK for the first time with uh, Carnifex, Chelsea Grin, Body Snatcher, and Varials. And, like, two-thirds of the tour was sold out. Um, every UK date was sold out. We had never been there. Um, but it was, it was so cool experiencing, you know, we've been to Europe before, but we hit a lot of new places that we hadn't been before. And, uh, there was people coming up to us that like knew about our band or like knew some of the words or, you know, stuff like that. Some dude came up to me in London and he had brought one of our vinyls from, uh, this is hell, uh, out to the show for us to sign. And it just blew my mind to see one of our vinyls in London like, you know, I just don't expect that to happen, I guess. I expect to go there for the first time and nobody has any idea who we are. That's incredible. But, I even yeah, saw on your social media there um, not too long ago that you had somebody tattooed your logo onto them. Oh, yeah. we There's a bunch of those over the years. How does that feel, knowing that people are permanently putting your logo on their body? Oh, it's awesome, man. It's absolutely awesome. More people should have band tattoos. <laughs> as long as they're done well if you're doing it yourself yeah well, yeah i've seen some myself, rough ones for sure i've oh, seen man. some rough ones so you run the toledo death fest when did that start uh 2009 um my old band that i was in my old local band was like you know there's never any like big like death metal shows really toledo's not really like the the top market in our area you know what i mean like we're an hour south of detroit so a lot of shows go to Detroit and then it's too close to go to Toledo too. Or, you know, Cleveland's about two hours. Chicago's about three hours. So all these major cities are within a, an hour to three hours away from us. So a lot of the big tour packages go to those and skip us. So everybody here like grows up. You got to go to Detroit to see the bands you want to see. Um, and at the time we had like, done a few small tours and stuff like that and we wanted to bring our friends from other places that you know played with us in their hometown and brought people out and like showed us a good time basically we wanted to be able to bring them back to our hometown and you know do it up and everything and so it started as like a seven eight man bill just one day one stage you know and it, it would be like 
half local bands and then a couple bands that we knew from other places that were down to make the trip kind of thing. And uh, we did it that way for several years and it always did really well. I mean, it was better than like a normal local show, I guess. Um, but we, we just always headlined. Um, and then that band like kind of broke up and uh, I started the convalescence and within a year of doing the convalescence, I was like, you know, we need to bring Toledo death fest back. Like, let's start doing this again. Um, I started doing it every year and we just kind of, uh, we try to make it like a summer thing at this point. Um, we've done it in the spring. We've done it in the fall, depending on like our touring schedule is a big one. Um, because obviously like if we're going to run the show and put all this money into it and have everybody there, like in our hometown at our home venue, you know, we need to be there. Yeah, Um, exactly. So I, uh, always just kind of have to look at our tour schedule and figure out like, okay, when are we not doing anything? And that's when this is going to be and make sure that it's not the same weekend as any other major festivals in our area. Um, and then, you know, call around, get headliners, call around all our friends, see who's available, talk to locals, see who's available, you know, and just put it all together. Um, so this year it's in June. Um, but, you know, in previous years, it's been in July, it's been in August, you know, it's just when, when we can do it. And it's really like, I just like bringing at least one big death metal show or just heavy show in general. Like we don't just say, Oh, we're only doing death metal on the show. Um, we've had death core bands. We've had bands that are like half clean vocals, metalcore, hardcore bands, we've had like new metal stuff as long as it's heavy like and good and it makes sense for you to be on the fest you know we're we'll bring that band out um but you know right now we're now up to running two stages um and it it goes on all day back and forth but we try to i try to come after it as like uh what would bands want to see and what would fans want to see more than how much money can I squeeze out of this as a promoter? Um, it's kind of a underground metal festival run by uh, underground metal band. Um, because like, you know, I know as a fan, I want to see every band on the show. You want to and I've always hated as a band uh, and as a fan overlapping time slots on multiple stages. Because at some point you got to pick who you're going to see, and you're going to miss at least half the show because it's all going on at the same time. So uh, for our festival, every band plays for at least a half hour. Um, no bands overlap at all, and there's a five minute gap of time between when one stage ends and the other stage starts. And doors open at one thirty in the afternoon. We start bands at like 145 and bands play all the way until uh, almost midnight. Nice. And I'm guessing that the reason you have two, uh, two stages is to reduce that setup time in between sets, right? Yeah. Well, it actually creates kind of a cool situation uh, with the five minutes before, five minutes after, and then nothing going on while the other stage is going on the other stage. 
So each band can use their full production. Each band can put on their full show and everything because you have 40 minutes to set up before your stage has to start. So that's a great idea. The sound guys are not rushing. I have different sound companies for both stages and the lighting people are not rushing and the bands are not rushing and everybody's able to put on the best possible uh, show that they can and the fans are able to see everybody. Did you start implementing the two stages right from the beginning or is that something you adapted later? Uh, It was something I always wanted to do, but a lot of the years, you know, with it being smaller lineups and stuff, we just stuck it to one stage. The first year that we actually did two stages was uh, 2021. And that was also the first year that we brought in, like, somebody to headline over us as well. Uh, We had Jungle Rot, actually, in 2021. And we had Filth. And uh, we had just a bunch of of great bands on the bill, uh, the breathing process and stuff like that. And uh, we had, like, almost 800 people paid. So with staff and bands and everything we had like about a thousand people there um which was great and the following year uh we ended up with malevolent creation and we did two stages again and the whole thing and it was about the same turnout roughly um you know and then this year uh we're looking to make it even bigger so hopefully uh hopefully it is (laughs) um but it's, it's just one of these things that we like to do it. So once a year, we bust our ass and try to bring in as many cool bands as we can to our hometown to just kind of have a big metal party for everybody. And what made you decide to step down, I guess, from the headlining spot? Um, I feel like we can come and headline Toledo on our own and be a headline show and have like all our local friends and everything on that and it'll be cool and we can do that you know we usually do one in the spring or we'll do one in the in the fall um around halloween time or something like that but um i felt like death fest just needed to be a bit bigger than us you know what i mean and like even i didn't want to be the same band that was headlining every year um so we're always on the bill Um, but I wanted to switch it up as far as headliners. I try to switch up all the bands that are playing for them as much as I can each year, um, with having everything still make sense. Um, but yeah, I just felt like we could make it bigger and draw in a new group of people if it wasn't just us headlining every year. Um, and there was some bands that I wanted to bring to Toledo for people to see that we had played with other places and stuff like that, that are are bigger than us you know what i mean so i decided that when we go to two stages uh let's try to get some bigger bands in here and started putting up the money to do so and just kind of taking a big risk on the show every year and just hoping that like we get enough people through and sell enough merch and whatever to cover the show so well and you've taken it from like an eight person bill to something that at least appears sustainable at this point in time. So what are some of the biggest challenges you had to overcome and what are some of the best decisions you've made? Um, the challenges, I mean, the, the first challenge is the venue I use does not have any house sound, does not have any house lights or anything like that. 
and it's not traditionally like a metal club. So you have to bring everything in yourself. Yeah. So we have to hire in sound for each stage. We have to hire in lights for each stage. Um, and we're working with, you know, minimal staff for, for this. Um, cause like I said, it's a really big DIY show. Um, so there's minimal staff outside of, you know, me and the venue security and, you know, stuff like that. And that's about as far as it goes. So when we get there in the morning, we get there maybe an hour or so before all the bands. So we're starting, we're walking in at like nine o'clock in the morning, um, moving all the tables to where they go for merge, making sure all the rooms are clear of anything they need to be clear of, making sure all the tents and everything on the outside patio are set up and the loading areas are all ready to go and doing a security briefing and checking in all the bands and you'll have 14 to 16 bands loading in at once. And it's, it's, it's a lot, um, you know, to deal with throughout the day, but we make sure that all the bands get paid. Uh, we make sure that all the bands get fed. Um, and we try to do our best to make sure everybody has a good time. And that's the biggest challenge is getting, getting to doors. And then once it starts running and stages are going back and forth, it's, good to go for the rest of the day unless something catastrophic happens. But um, for the most part, it runs itself once it's going. It's just a matter of coming in that morning and making Death Fest out of a, out of a venue, you know. So for you, it's pretty much just the entire lead up to the fest itself. But like you said, it runs like a well-oiled machine once it's yeah. started. Yeah, once it's going, it's it's great, and it's a huge metal party all day. Um, but getting getting it going, you know, uh, I put up the money for it out of my pocket. So whatever deposits, whatever things I need to rent, hire in, you know, all that stuff, I'm just out that until the show happens. Um, and, you know, that's tough being a touring musician, but also putting up that much out of pocket to make sure something like this happens. Um, but cause I mean, the fest has its own merch orders. The fest has, you know, all its own expenses. Um, so it's a big risk, but it's, it's been awesome to us over the years. Um, and, uh, I kind of feel like I have a relatively good idea of with the turnouts we get each year, what we can afford to bring in and, you know, the budgeting is tough. Uh, the other thing that's tough is, uh, the amount of submissions that we get or that we've gotten the last like couple years, uh, this year for the 2023 lineup, we got 2,900 bands that hit us up to play. Jesus. And we have, we have 14 slots total. That's so, yeah. So going through and picking the right bands, you know. I, is uh, is also a challenge for sure. That's incredible. Twenty nine hundred bands. I've heard from yourself, and then I last year I spoke with Jeff Gore of um, of Loudest Hell, and at Loudest Hell I met Keith Acoin from Always Festival. So chatting with you three, I've been able to kind of get a bigger picture of what, or a better picture of what is difficult and how I don't want to say how to run a fest, but like what's entailed. Mm-hmm. That's already busy enough. How does that compare with adding a band set into that? Adding a band setting, like being in the band? 
yeah, like having to play the fest that you've organized and have to run? Um, that's like the fun part. Is is getting that's, to play? That's the break. You know? <laughs> uh, that's the cool part. Is and, and you know we we usually play later on in the night. So usually my morning is quite insane, but then you know I get to go relax, hang out for a little bit, catch my breath for a little bit, and then it's time to start putting makeup on and getting all the props ready and all that kind of stuff and getting ready to go on stage. Um, and then our hometown, cro- hometown crowd, uh, especially for Toledo Death Fest, is always just absolutely wild. Uh, they know all the words. They, you know, you say the song title and they're stoked. So it's uh, a great energy. And it's, it's literally probably one of my favorite shows every year, like to perform. That's got to be really cool, especially being able to play in front of the, the people you kind of grew up around and have them yeah. all know your music. Yeah, absolutely, man, for sure. With your stage props and, like, your makeup, how much does that add to your prep time? Um, Not as much as you would think. Um, well, we've got it kind of... Times. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, we've definitely done it enough times. Um, paint, painting depends on the band member. Um, but a lot of the time we're usually getting painted up and putting the finishing touches on stuff as far as the stage show goes during the band before us. Oh, that makes sense. So it really doesn't impact you guys at all. So, I mean, we've all painted our faces enough, you know, and you like black out whatever exposed skin and stuff, spray blood all over yourself and you're like ready to go. Um, as far as the stage props goes, we try to make sure they're durable and make sure they're cool, obviously. But we also try to make them easy to set up and tear down. And we have different stage setups depending on the space, if we're supporting or headlining or whatever, and what we can use and what we decide we're going to use um, as well. I mean, we can, we can put on, a hell of a show if we're headlining and we get to backline and we have set up time and it's not a rush to tear down kind of thing. Um, but if we're supporting and we got a 25 minute slot on a festival and you got 10 minutes to get everything up there and there's eight bands backline behind you, um, then it's usually a little bit more scaled back. But uh, we still, I mean, there's some stuff that we still do every single show. So. Um, we have it pr- pretty much down to a science. We have a couple crew guys that tour with us that help out as well. So just a team effort making it happen. Just to touch on your stage props a little bit and like your imagery, uh, your lyrics. Obviously, there's some there's a lot of reference to blood, gore, horror, that kind of stuff. I read in a previous interview that there was some backlash to your video for the song Scum. First off, did it surprise you that even with all this stuff considered that somebody was offended and did it cause any troubles for you? Um, I wouldn't say it, it like caused any trouble for us necessarily. Um, there was, and by backlash, I would say there was like a handful of shitty comments on YouTube. Um, it wasn't really like a we're in trouble kind of thing, I feel like. But I, you know, and I can, I can see how people took that video wrong. You know, like, uh, a lot of people took it as, like, we were, 
attacking the person in the video or whatever because she was you know a female and that wasn't the case she was the only crew member on tour with us and the rest of the band had to be the band in the video like she was literally the only person there <laughs> you know and uh we had some other people that we were you know there were supposed to be more people in the video it was kind of shot last minute uh we didn't actually pick the director our old, our old label did and like he he showed up and was like this is what we're gonna do and we're like okay cool like horror movie thing you know whatever and we filmed it in like a few hours in the basement of the agora in cleveland and we didn't think anything of it really we didn't mean anything like crappy from it um we were just trying to make a metal video you know what i mean like the label was like we're putting out a single we need a video right now okay we'll go shoot a video right now while we're on tour and then you know the youtube comments started and whatever and uh some people got offended by it and you know for that i apologize it's not what we what we were going for um but i i guess you know i guess there was a little bit of hate on that video and looking back i probably would have done the video differently um but i mean that's kind of i guess it, what it was at the time <laughs> at the time i don't know you know we were we did what we were directed to do and then the label put it out and we're like here's our new song there was also a ton of people that loved the video yeah it's interesting how some people just jump to conclusions or assume the worst intent from people instead of actually trying to right. figure it out or take it for what it's worth yeah for sure i mean usually i mean if you meet us at a festival or a show like we're pretty much down to hang out with whoever and we're always like trying to make new friends and stuff man i mean we're not like just assholes looking for trouble all the time so yeah i find that most at least most music musicians i've spoken with and a lot of the metalheads that i've spoken with they're they're the exact same they just want to be they want to be friendly they want to be around other people and they just want to enjoy their time yeah for sure for sure do you often read or consider like negative comments in the comment section on stuff like youtube or social media like obviously constructive criticism is one thing but when people are just blatantly negative towards you guys I mean, sometimes it's just kind of funny. Um, like some of the stuff that gets said, just like, we'll like read it on the bus and everybody will start laughing. Um, but like, uh, you know, cause some of it's just really dumb and like just completely baseless um, kind of stuff. But we don't really deal with too many, too many people like that um, a lot of the time. You know, normally it's, you know, the extents like, oh, this band sucks or something like that. Or like, oh, look, dollar store slipknot or something like that. And it's just <laughs> like, okay. Come up with something cool. Better. Yeah. Like we've heard this one before. Yes, I know I look like Bray Wyatt, the wrestler. Cool. You know, like, um, no, there, there hasn't been, we don't really deal with a whole ton of that, but we don't really, uh. Yeah, of course we read the comments maybe in the first like day or two that stuff's been posted but it's not like we're scanning them daily or anything do you ever receive like constructive criticism or constructive feedback on the comment section or is it mostly like oh i love it or i hate this because it's bad um 
I would say the most constructive criticism, I guess, that comes to us would be uh, from like, I guess, other people in the industry. You know, if we'll like shop the album around or something like that, and they'll come back and be like, "Yeah, so we this is what we think of it," or whatever. Or you know, when we take our our stuff to a producer, and you know, they want to do this, this, and this. And uh, you know, I would say that's the most constructive criticism that we get. Um, mostly in the comments, it seems like mostly people are either like totally i hate this or this is the coolest thing i've ever heard and it doesn't really seem to be like a middle ground of like that's pretty cool you know or anything like that i just don't don't see it very often with this band Mm -hmm. i know we chatted a little bit about the recording here as well about some upcoming music you've already released Mm -hmm. three singles for your upcoming album when you're looking back at your previous albums, what are some things musically that you wanted to either focus on or build upon from your previous releases? Um, obviously, we just want every album to be better than the last one. Um, and for this record, I mean, I, I think we successfully did that. Um, we got the awesome opportunity to work with Jason Sukoff down in Florida at Audio Hammer Studios. If you if I look at his discography, he's done like 70% of the albums I've bought in the last like 20 years. So I was pretty pumped to go work with Jason on the record. Um, awesome experience. He really pushed us a lot to do better. Um, and really kind of shaped us and kind of took us in a more like, uh, I guess, death metal-y direction. direction. Uh, we came down there with a bunch of clean vocals and stuff for like choruses. And he's like, yeah, we're not doing any of that. Get rid of all that. And, you know, he was right. At the end of the day, he was right. Um, so there is no clean vocals on the new record at all. Um just all brutal stuff. Um, and I don't know. I'm excited about it. Undead Swarm and 79 Years and No Survivors have gone over very, very well. Um, and the new album should be out later this year. Um, I would imagine right now we're kind of in the middle of some things. So we don't really have like a specific release date at this time um but we do anticipate it being out pretty soon when it comes to the loudest hell festival are you planning on playing um some more music from that album yeah we've been playing all the singles on the last couple tours nice um so we're definitely planning to play more of the new stuff if the record's out by then probably way more of the new stuff um you know, we'll build our set. You know, I'm not entirely sure how, how long of a set we're playing there yet. Um, but we'll, you know, build the set list around that. We always try to play like uh, uh, like the song you mentioned, Scum, is usually a pretty permanent part of our set. People get pretty into that. Uh, Legacy and Blood is another one. Um, and then, yeah, we play, we play a lot of the new stuff. We try to mix it up every tour. Switching gears just a little bit with... 
away from music. So I know that you guys also have an incredibly unique merch line. So obviously you'll have things like clothing, but you often take like a very colorful approach to that. You also have done things like hot sauce, coffee, uh, face masks. A couple things that stood out for me were the shoes and the playing cards. Mm -hmm. How did you come up with a playing card idea? And have you ever considered adapting that to a card game or making it into its own? Yeah, we, we talked about it a little bit. Um, that was kind of uh, in quarantine. We're trying to figure out something interesting. You know what I mean? Because, like, every band's got T-shirts and hoodies and whatever. And we wanted to do something a little different. So we were experimenting with a lot of different merch during that. Not that we weren't doing stuff before. Like, uh there was a while, like in 2017, um, we had like an endorsement deal with this company called High Tunes, and in a bunch of dispensaries in the state of Washington, uh, they were selling pre-rolled joints with our cartoon faces on them um, in all the weed dispensaries. And uh, when you'd buy the pre-roll, um, there was a code on the pre-roll that you could enter onto the high tunes website and get a free download of one of our songs. Um, so we did that for a while. We did, we've been doing hot sauce since 2014. Um, so the hot sauce has been around for a minute. We're doing barbecue sauce now too. Um, we did, we worked with corpse paint soaps and they made soap that looked like my face. Um, the nightmare wear, uh, has been making those shoes, um, over in Italy. They're like hand stitched Italian leather shoes. Um, super, super nice, like way nicer than what should have our name on them. <laughs> um, and it's cool. They come in like, uh, their own box that has our monument of misery artwork all over the box and everything. It's awesome. Um, how did you come up with that idea and how? How did that partnership they, go? They contacted us, actually. Really? That's yeah, cool. they they were like, "Hey, we're uh, we're trying to trying out this thing with a couple bands. You know, we're gonna make these shoes, and they're like made to order shoes. Um, and if you sell X amount of pairs, that then they'll permanently make your line of shoes, kind of thing. And I guess we sold enough because I'm pretty sure you can still order them. Um, but we've done like bed sets uh, for Monument of Misery. Um, last year we released action figures of me, um, which was definitely like bucket list thing to have an action figure. Um, not merch, but we've made ourselves into claymation and to cartoons and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the playing cards were cool. Um, there was a big demand online when they first came out and they're a little bit tough to sell at shows because people like don't understand what they're looking at most of the time. Like, what is this? Like, is it a sticker? Is it, you know, a, a card or, you know, what's going on here? And then like people, people don't necessarily want to buy a pack of like trading cards at the show. It seems like, so we've kind of phased those out and didn't really run with it too much. We did sell a lot of them. We have some left, but we did sell a lot of them. Um, trying to think of some other cool stuff. Um, we've done like bowls and stuff before. 
uh, for our stoner fans. Um, but yeah, that's that's been the, the main stuff. And then we've been trying to take kind of different avenues with advertising as well. Uh, like when our, our last album was coming out, we rented a bunch of those digital billboards all over the place. I saw that just so, today, actually. I was going to ask you about that. Was that just in yeah. Toledo then? Huh? Was that just in Toledo, or did you have billboards in other cities too? Uh, for Monument of Misery, we did them in, like, all over Toledo. Um, for when we did the that Coming Undone cover, the corn cover, we released that we did one on like this like 100 foot billboard in the middle of times square in new york so and it was like i don't know how valuable that that is advertising wise but it was at least pretty cool um and then like last year and again this year uh we're actually sponsoring a race car in the uh arca factory stock series um and They've got like all of our cartoon characters with like different weapons and stuff on their hood uh, for the whole race season. So we've been trying to do some different stuff. That's definitely a word for it. Very different. But I think it's super creative. Like you, you seem to just be having so much fun with everything, with the performances, with your stage presence, with the fests and the merch. It seems like a, a whole package for you. Oh, yeah, it's great, man. I mean, like, uh, you know, we're all thankful that we get to do this. Um, and, you know, we're all metal fans and stuff. So I, I feel like if most of us, at least, are like, man, that's a pretty cool idea and we're stoked about it, then I feel like our fans will be, too, I guess. You know, at least we could hope. Is this the first year that you're sponsoring the race car? No, we actually sponsored him for the first time last year and he won the championship. Awesome. Um, and then he called us back this year. He's like, dude, I want to put you guys on the hood again. <laughs> like, all right, let's do it. So, um, and we, we go out and see him race, uh, usually a couple times a year. Um, but yeah, just whatever we can do to put our name out there and, you know, just kind of have fun with it. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, what, what good is it to be able to, full-time be in a band if you're not having fun no doubt and i have to say you're the only metal band that i've ever seen with a billboard and a race car yeah we're, get, we're getting there <laughs> <laughs> now moving back into like your history into metal obviously you've been a fan for a while you were in a band previously sorry previous to the convalescence and let me just i just completely forgot the name uh blood of the prophets mm -hmm. you were in blood of the prophets prior to the convalescence did you have a band previous to that or was the 2008 2009 mark kind of your beginning in in metal um, I was in another band in high school, but we never left, like, the Northwest Ohio, like, Southeast Michigan area. We were only a band for, like, a year. Um, but that was kind of me learning how to, like, play shows and, like, whatever. My first, like, real band that, like, got out and started touring and stuff was Blood of the Prophets. Um, so my first, like, real serious band, I guess. Um, Have you always taken, like, the theatrical approach to it? I've always liked to. Those dudes weren't super into that. So, like, we were just kind of like metal dudes up there playing death metal. Um, but we did we did quite a bit of touring. It was fun. You know, I was in that band for a few years, and um, stuff just kind of went different directions for everybody. And uh, out, out of that, uh, started the convalescence with some other guys. 
um, and just kind of took this from there. But um, with the convalescence, we didn't start wearing like all the makeup and stuff until like our uh, our second EP. Um, initially, it was just everybody dress how you want. You know, we're going to go play some shows. Um, but it was supposed to kind of be a side project. Like a lot of the members were in other bands. Um, but then the side project started doing better than the other bands, like quickly and getting more like online notoriety and started getting tour offers and signed to an indie label. And then it was like, oh man, like, let's really do this, you know? And it, it took a long time at the beginning. We went through a ton of band members just trying to find the people that were down to tour all the time that were down to grind it out and put the work in because I mean, when you're first starting touring, I mean, you're touring in a piece of crap vehicle with too many people in it, uh, with no money, you know what I mean? Like barely any merch. Um, you're playing the diviest of dive bars for like beer tickets you know, you're not, <laughs> you're not exactly like killing it. You're not paying the bills back home. Um, by any means you're, if you made it home and you survived and you still want to go on the next one, you're, you're doing good. Um, so that's what we were doing. So, you know, obviously, um, as you can imagine when we were at that level and we're still playing over a hundred shows a year, uh, people got burned out. People wanted to go back and get a job job. You know, people, you know, just had different life stuff come up. And uh, so at the beginning stages, we were going through a lot of band members. Uh, but we just grinded it out, man. You know, we kept going for a while. And at, at, at some point in 20, uh, 2012, we had recorded our Unmasking the Betrayer EP, and it was a lot darker and it was a lot more like deathcore than our first one. And it was just heavier and we got rid of the clean vocals and like the artwork was like this like demon pulling his face apart and stuff like that. And it was like, okay, we got to go with the darker image, you know, and we had because of vehicle issues and member issues and stuff, we had canceled a lot of shows. So we wanted to come back with like a show. You know what I mean? So we started doing the corpse paint and uh, sadly we didn't know what we were doing. So like the first, you know, we'd, we'd wear like all black and stuff. And then you'd have like the party store, like grease paint kind of coarse paint. It just looked like crap, man. <laughs> like For sure. Like looking at old pictures, it was rough. Um, but we, we were doing what we could to put on more of a show. And over the years we got like better paint. We got actual stage clothes and we just kind of adapt it every time we go out a little bit just to make it a little bit better. Um, we're pretty happy with where we're at now. Now we're able to focus on less on us and more on the actual show around us kind of thing happening. So, um, but it, it was kind of an evolution back into that. Um, but yeah, my band in high school, we wore makeup and we used to throw inflatable pool animals like from Walmart into the crowd and like all kinds of weird stuff. But um, as far as like, yeah, I went back into like, we're not wearing any of this stuff. This is a serious band to now 
this is the furthest I've been in my career and the most makeup I've worn as well. <laughs> um, so, Well, and now you're not just throwing pool animals into the crowd. It's severed body parts. It is. It is, which is awesome. <laughs> How did you guys come up with that idea? Um, well, a couple of years ago, you know, because we used when you're a smaller band, you're not really trying to make like a huge mess in venues because you want them to like bring you back and not just be pissed. Um, but at outdoor festivals in 2018, uh, starting at Michigan metal fest is the first time we like did it. Um, is we would give like the security people across like the front row, uh, like water bottles with holes poked in the caps full, filled with fit, watered down fake blood. And we'd tell them like what song it was and everything. And then we'd have like uh, people from bands we were friends with uh, come out with like squirt guns full of blood. And like then security would just dump these bottles of blood all over everybody in the front row. And like it was this big like, you know, mini guar type thing going on. And uh, we didn't know if everybody was going to get mad because they were red now or if everybody was going to think it was awesome. And luckily for us, everybody thought it was awesome. Um, so we wanted to build on that. So we started just doing it at outdoor shows where like the venue can't really get mad at us for doing it. Um, and then some venues were like, are you guys going to spray blood tonight? Can we? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, and, and, awesome. and now it's like usually about half the venues we play, let us do it. Um, and we wanted to just kind of like build on that. Um, and we have some songs about zombies, one of the dead, undead swarm, stuff like that. You know, when you're singing about mainly horror topics, you're bound to have some zombies in there. Um, but we had been during, during one of the dead, we had been getting these like bags of body parts off like Amazon, like for Halloween. And they come with like a little rope attached to it for like, as like a necklace. And each bag has like six to eight body parts in it. And so we, we'd get them for like the bigger shows and we'd spray some fake blood in the bag and like shake it up. So they were like wet. And then during one of the dead, we'd like toss them out in the crowd or whatever. Um, and people really liked it. So when we decided that we were going to do the guts during Undead Swarm now, I wanted to step it up a little more. So I bought a medical cart. And uh, I don't know if you've ever seen them like uh, <coughs> um, it's like the torsos that you hang upside down of like the skinned person or whatever. It's like the spine that hangs upside down the arms are all flappy and whatever uh and you're supposed to hang it from like your porch or something on halloween um we got one of those dudes and we just like tied his arms to the front of the so we tied his arms to the front of this medical cart and uh spray blood all over him we spray blood all over the top of the cart and we have all the guts on top of the cart and uh during, during that, we wheel them out there, and we're like, our friend donated some body parts to you guys so you can remember this show. And we start playing Undead Swarm, and throughout the show, 
I'll take body parts off the top of the medical cart and throw them into the crowd. Have you ever had somebody come back and wanted you to sign one of the body parts? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time. That's really cool. I like the way you take your approach to this. Like, it's very creative, and you seem quite successful in getting your name out there just by doing everything you possibly can and having successful lines like clothing and shoes. Yeah, we're, we're trying, <laughs> for sure. I find it interesting that your your band name is called The Convalescence, considering it means like the gradual regrowth and uh, return to strength. And considering mm -hmm. that you guys kind of went through one of those yourselves, it's, um, I don't know if it's ironic, but that's kind of where I'm going with it. It's interesting. Yeah, I mean, we actually named ourselves that because when we were naming the band and forming the band, um, a lot of us were in bands, aside from this, that were kind of going through some issues and stuff half the people in the band were like literally homeless um, when we started the band. Uh, the first lineup that recorded our first EP memories, um, we were all living in, in the same house together. Like, I think I lived in the dining room, like our drummer lived in the living room. And then like, you know, our, one guitarist lived upstairs, our other guitarist lived in like the patio, like enclosed patio area. Like it was kind of ridiculous. Um, but, you know, none of us really had anything. And, you know, the band was originally like, all right, let's play some local shows and we'll make some money to help pay rent. It was like all we really originally thought this band was going to be. And. We released uh, our first single, Extermination, in 2011, got an indie record deal out of it, got some sponsors, started getting cool shows, you know, and then it just built from there. And, uh, you know, as we got more serious, the band just kind of continued to evolve in into, you know, with the sound, with the theatrics and, you know, with the way that we tour and all that kind of stuff. Uh, we just try to always improve on it. Um, honestly, like, as a little kid, like, I liked music, but I never really had, like, an opinion. I didn't have, like, a favorite artist. I didn't, ha I didn't know anything about anything, really. It was whatever, you know, my parents or whoever was listening to on the radio. It either was cool or I'd walk away. I didn't want to hear it. Um, I didn't really think much of it. Um, and in the early 2000s, um, Iron Maiden put out the uh, Rock and Rio DVD. Um, and my dad and his friends and everybody were like huge Iron Maiden fans. Um, so like I remember I was staying with him for that weekend or whatever. And that DVD came out and his buddies like... You know, when everybody gets home from work, we're going to throw this DVD in on this. Uh, they, you know, had one of the giant TVs and surround sound or whatever. And they shut all the lights off and just cranked it like as loud as it would go. Like probably shaking three blocks worth of houses um, to watch this Iron Maiden DVD. And I was a little kid. I didn't know what Iron Maiden was or, you know, whatever. I was like 10 years old, 11 years old or so. And uh, that... I remember seeing them play like Fear of the Dark and then playing like 
the wicker man and the entire crowd of like endless amount of people just like singing everything singing the guitar parts all the words like and it was just such this big like powerful like thing that i was like oh man i want to do that you know like i just want to be able to do that and uh I went home and started going through my mom's CD collection. Me as a little kid, I didn't know bands had like multiple albums. I thought just like whatever says that name, like that's the one. And I had no idea what the song was. And I'm looking for the Wicker Man, the specific song, um, which is on the Brave New World album. And she had Number of the Beast and peace of mind so looking for this song i listened to both of those albums like probably a million times cover to cover and i loved every second of it but never found that song and then my my uh dad explained to me that the song i was talking about was on the new album that had just come out you know whatever and we went to the store and he was stoked that i wanted to buy an iron maiden album and uh so we went and got the new record and I listened to that nonstop. And from there got into kind of like, you know, listening to Ozzy and uh, King Diamond was a big one, the Them album um, when I was younger. Uh, in 2003, my mom took me to the Toledo Zoo, um, has an amphitheater, and we went and saw Alice Cooper. That was like my first concert. Um, and then... I was given a mushroom head CD in like middle school, the 13 album, because uh, somebody didn't like it. They're like, do you want this? This, this album like sucks or whatever. I was like, sure. And I took it home and I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, Cause it was like, I had heard like lamb of God and stuff, but I didn't really like the screaming because I had gotten into metal and was like really into like hearing all the words and stuff, you know, and screaming was like such a new thing to me that like, I couldn't understand Lamb of God at the time. And I wasn't like stoked on it. It just sounded like kind of too much for me. Um, so I got in the mushroom head cause they sang, I found out they were from Ohio. I thought the image was awesome. And uh, I could understand, like, when J-Man was screaming, you know, I could understand everything he was saying still. And then I just got, you know, you kind of get an ear for it. Like, once you can understand a couple bands that are screaming, you can understand most bands that are screaming. Once your ear, like, understands what's happening here. Um, so then, obviously, when you start searching stuff for Mushroom Head in the 2000s stuff for slipknot is also going to come up and i found slipknot subliminal versus album and it changed my life and then from there you know i found corn and disturbed and stuff like that and then eventually made my way back around to listening to lamb of god a lot like ashes of the wake and sacrament um trivium kill switch engage like that whole metalcore movement in like 2007 2008 and then I think the first Deathcore album I heard was Job for a Cowboy's Doom EP. And it was the first time I heard Pig Squeals, and it blew my mind. 
um, like Entombment of a Machine with like the high pitched scream in the middle. I'd never heard anything like it. It was insane. Um, and I got into his Blood Runs Black and Suicide Silence and Whitechapel and Carnifex and Chelsea Grin and all those bands, like super heavy. Um, and, you know, I listened to a lot of like old school death metal stuff, like Obituary and Cannibal Corpse and stuff like that, like a lot at this point. Um, huge Black Dahlia Murder fan. Um, but really, I mean, if I had to pick a favorite, like, subgenre kind of thing, like, I definitely favor Deathcore probably overall. Like that's that's my shit. Love breakdowns. Do you like a lot of that newer black end Deathcore stuff that's coming out? I've heard that it kind of strays away from the, I guess, original sound of Deathcore. But I don't know. I like both. I guess. What do you mean? Like what bands? Um, like Lorna Shore, uh, Mental Cruelty, bands like that. Yeah, dude, th- those guys are killing it, and. Uh... We actually toured with Lorna Shore in 2018. Um, it was us, uh, Discarnate, Lorna Shore, and The Faceless. And to see how far Lor- Lorna Shore has come since that tour, I mean, we were playing, like, small clubs that were, like, not sold out. And they were opening for The Faceless. And this was 2018. And now they're out on tour playing, like, massive venues with, like, Gojira and Mastodon and they're headlining tours that are selling out every single day, you know, and it's, they just played Lollapalooza and it's like so cool, you know, to see them do that. And I think them breaking into, you know, the mainstream as well as doing great things for deathcore in general, it's kind of making it more accepted by uh, the mainstream music community. I feel like, I agree, and I've heard that some people have an issue with that just because it seems like metal is supposed to be kind of an underground thing, but to me it's the more people that can listen, the better. It's all great music, and the more people that understand, not maybe not understand that, but have the same opinion, the better it is. Yeah, I mean, honestly, man, like, the more people that want to listen to to metal, I, I, I think that the cooler that is. I, I'm definitely not like, oh, well, you didn't listen to these guys before this or you only like these bands because you saw them on this or who cares who cares they like metal now that's awesome so i mean that's the way i look at it is even if like people are only coming to these shows because of lorna shore they're still going to discover all the bands playing with them and realistically everybody went to a concert at one point because of a band that they wanted to see and then it went from there so i don't really see how it's any different exactly it's always for me it's always being on the lookout for new music that i'm not familiar with and just enjoying the show something that i've noticed in the past is i've even gone to concerts with bands that i don't necessarily enjoy and i end up really liking their music after the fact because mm-hmm. a, a lot of the time the live performance just kills it for me and it's just that much better being there live yeah for sure there's been a several bands that we've like toured with in the past that like because you don't always get to pick you know every band you're touring with it's you accept a tour you don't who's on it is who's on it you might not know them ahead of time they might be homies from like three other tours that you've done together um but sometimes you know you like heard of a band but you haven't really like gotten into them 
or whatever, and then you see him live every night, and you're just like, damn, like, this band rules, man. <laughs> like, So, yeah, I always, I always enjoy that, for sure. Just a reminder for anybody that is looking to see the Convalescents play, they're going to be playing loud as hell in Drumheller, Alberta, on Sunday, August 6th, 6th, sorry, just before Jungle Rot, and they're the main headliners, and you said you don't remember what time you go on, just on the top of your head? Um, I don't I don't think they've uh, given us our specific time slots yet. Okay. Yeah, I haven't been able to, I haven't seen anything online. Um, I know that he did an announcement, but I wasn't, I didn't watch the full thing, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But last year, if it's anything to judge, it's going to be going, it doesn't go super late, it goes probably till midnight at one on the last day, and it was, it was fucking awesome last year, so That's I'm awesome. really looking forward to seeing you guys play. Yeah, we've been looking forward to it. Um, we love coming to Canada, so... Um, we haven't been to Canada since the beginning of 2019, I believe. Also before COVID. Yeah. Well, I mean, it was really difficult to get in for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so we just didn't do it. Um, I think the last time we were in Canada was when we were recording our, well, no, that summer. So summer of 2019, uh, we came into Canada to do some headline shows, um, in Ontario and in uh, Alberta. Did you ever visit Christian Donaldson when you've been working with him? Yeah, when we uh, well, we toured with Cryptopsy in 2015 in the U.S. That's how we met him. Um, and he's been like mastering our albums and like mixing our albums. Like he he did poison. He mixed and mastered Poison Words. We recorded it here. Um, he mixed and mastered the corn cover. This is how, and then he's like, you guys need to come up here and just like record with me, like come to my studio. And we worked it out in 2019. We went up there and recorded, uh, Monument of Misery with them. Um, and we actually like half the time we were there, we stayed at his house and like lived in his basement. And then the other half of the time we were there, we actually lived in his parents' basement. Um, like after studio sessions every day. Um, so yeah, we got to know them and their family and everything. They're all like the coolest people. Um, and uh, Matt, their singer, uh, does the Vox and Hops podcast, uh, which is awesome. If you haven't listened to them do that, it's awesome. It is. I've actually had both of them on as guests, and they're both awesome guys to chat with. And yeah, um, the odd time I'll still keep in touch with Matt, but I don't think I've exchanged too many messages with him. Christian, I think the episode that I did with him just came out a few weeks ago, actually, and he was telling me more about his setup and kind of how he approaches dealing with bands and stuff. So it was really cool to learn that side of things too. Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, during the recording process of that. Uh, we contacted Matt to see if he wanted to like lay a verse down on our album. And he's like, yeah, if you'll be on Vox and hops and I'm like, cool. And he came down to the studio and recorded on the record. And then as soon as we were done with like the vocal takes, we like sat in the vocal recording area, drinking beer and recording that interview, like right afterwards. And he knows his beer. That's for sure. Yeah, he does. Yeah, he does. I felt like, uh, every time I talked to him about beer, or any of those dudes, really. I'm just like, man, I'm like so undereducated with beer because I don't drink like a lot of IPAs or anything like that. I drink like PBR. 
Yeah. And that's my beer of choice. Like somebody's like, let me buy you a beer. You know, most people are like, oh yeah, this like special kind of beer. I'm just like, oh, grab me a PBR or like a Bud- Budweiser or something. And, uh, you know, they're always coming up with, Toby is the one in our band that drinks crazy named beers and IPAs from all over the place. I just drink like regular, like terrible beer. Are there any other types of beer that you uh, found out that you did like through Matt or Christian or even Toby? Um, I, I, I'm going to say not like, not really because I don't remember what any of them are ever called. <laughs> you know, so I, many. I, yeah, I, I don't, um, there's a couple beers in Europe that touring over there. I think it's like Bittenberger or something like that in Germany. Is I really enjoy that. Um, there's a couple of them. I really bad with names of beer, other than like the normal like ones that are at every gas station. Yeah, pretty much. There's just so much to keep track of. Yeah. Speaking of Matt and having him feature on one of your tracks there. You've also now teamed up with Scott Eden Lewis for one of your new singles. And mm-hmm. it seems, and maybe I'm getting this wrong, so correct me if I am wrong. You didn't really do any vocalist features in your first few albums. This is a relatively new thing. Yeah, the first vocal features we ever did uh, were actually on that Monument of Misery album. Um, we had uh, Matt from Cryptopsy do uh, vocals on The Return. And uh, we had... Julian Kersey at the time was in uh, The Faceless, uh, do some guest vocals on Disposal of the Week. Um, and then uh, Scott jumped on the, the No Survivors track on the new one. We do have another uh, guest vocalist on the new record that we haven't announced yet. Awesome. I was That was my next question is to see if there's any more features. Yep, there's one more. I know you're not announcing the new album yet, and I'm hoping that it's out before Loud as Hell, but I'm not gonna I'm not gonna cross my fingers here. For anyone looking for your guys' music, where's the best place for them to find it for you guys? Uh probably Spotify. Um that would probably be the main one. Um I, we we have a ton of stuff on YouTube, but everything that's on YouTube for the most part is on Spotify as well. Okay. And so I guess it just depends on if you're trying to jam or if you're trying to watch some stuff. And sorry, I didn't mean to drop there. And where's the best place to, for them to find if, if they want to support you, like buy your merch uh, or buy your albums? Um, our website, tconband.com. It's T-C-O-N-B-A-N-D. Um, and that has links to all of our stuff, to our merch store and everything. Awesome. Sounds good. Keith, I want to thank you again for joining me today. I really appreciate your time. For and sure. I can't wait to see you at Loud as Hell. I hope we'll catch up. Thanks, man. Definitely. I'll see you there. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.